real estate over there and hustle over here. Got real estate over there and hustle over here. Welcome to the Uninvited House Guest Podcast. I'm Tony Stanford. I'm Joy Bailey. Thank you for checking us out. In 2008, I lost what I felt like was everything. I lost my job, my grandmama died. And I remember like when we was in college, they were saying it take like six months to find a job. And so um, it ended up taking like two years. And so I think I might have a little bit of PTSD from that, okay. like for real PTSD. So when they started talking about, um, you know, a looming recession, I started cutting back on my spending. But when I'm going through Instagram and everything, I'm seeing everybody like spending all this money. And I'm like, well, am I like the crazy person in the room? But, you know, I came across this article that was saying that everybody that quit their jobs, not everybody, but a lot of people that quit their jobs last year are now a little concerned that when they went from job A to job B for that $30,000 raise, that they actually um, might be on the chopping block because companies are starting to cut back um, on, you know, budget cuts and just eliminating positions altogether because of this recession. So, I don't know, like, did you have any friends that skip jobs, hop jobs? Have you had anybody kind of, you know, hint at that they see that they might be uh, affected by potential layoffs? I mean, I know several people who got new jobs uh, during the last year, year and a half. So, what kind of industry were you in? Uh, obviously, Charlotte, so banking. Banking, okay. Banking. Um, yeah. And I don't think I've seen anything about any huge banking layoffs yet or any potential, I'm sure. In the mortgage department. <laughs> well, yeah, that Don't part, know if you heard. <laughs> that, that part, I guess. But I mean, I don't know. I feel like we're getting new banks being built on every corner in Charlotte, right? I see uh, First Citizens. I see... Chase building up, it's uh the other one, uh some it's a first something too. But anyways, so I mean I feel like banking jobs are still here, right? Mm-hmm. And they're coming as well. But like I said, I've definitely have seen like, some people who have new jobs. We haven't necessarily talked to them feeling like, you know, their job is at risk or anything, but obviously we know how it works, you know, last in, first out type of thing. So I definitely could see why that'd be some concern. Um, especially if again they're trying to get into housing or they just got a house or, or things like that. So definitely, you know, scary. Obviously, the market is not like 20, 2008, which you did mention in the beginning. And that's because, of course, um, the layoffs, well, because a lot of people quit, a lot of people are they're in a new sector and only certain sectors are being affected kind of this round. But the percentage wise, it's lower than it's been um, in the past. So I think it's maybe like less than 10 percent as far as the amount of people that are even expected to get laid off in this round of kind of cuts. Um, obviously, we just seen something big happen like Twitter because obviously they got a new CEO. Oh, um, <laughs> sure, I heard things is happening over there. But yeah, so I mean, there's again a few companies that are maybe having the headlines, and that's just because they're in a technology sector. And if you're in the stocks, like I'm in the stocks, you know that there is a lot of change um, in the technology sector for the world. So unless you're like an Apple, um, which I think I don't even think they hit their earnings to be honest with you, um, you kind of seen kind of a drop. So. Yeah, I think also too, um, there gonna be some changes in 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 the marketplace. I think coming up in January, I really really feel like a lot of this, you know, you work from home, they are gonna start reeling that back in, and that's gonna force some people to say, you know, I quit. I'm gonna find something else, and they're gonna be completely fine. Like, good, we didn't need you on the payroll anyway. Um, I think that's gonna be something that that's you know 
an unforeseen slash predictable uh, outcome of some of the people that quit their jobs because they were like, oh, we got to go back in the office. I'm going to go from this job. I did it. I'm going to go from this job to this other job so I don't have to go in the office. But they're going to make some shifts because they have expenses and if they're looking at their expenses and they got a lot of overhead for things, for spaces that they're not using, they're going to say, we need to use these spaces. So I think there's going to be a lot of changes that are going to come into play as far as some of the people that have um, switched from, you know, job A to job B. You know, grass is not always greener because everybody has to make changes as, you know, changes come to them. But um, what are some of the things that, you know, some of the listeners can look out for? Because you should be able to see it coming if, you know, if, if you might be on the chopping block. Uh, I mean, one, I'll say that you, if you have a good relationship with not just directly your manager, but the people that your manager report to, it's usually a good sign because you have some, I can say instructability, but you have some people know what you do. So if you're a person that just comes in and just does your job, it's probably going to be tougher for you. Because that visibility is important, especially in the environment you are, especially if you're working remote. So uh, definitely if you're, again, you're in a silo and you're the only person, not the only person, but you do a task, a task from a task, something that somebody easily can kind of take over. Definitely should be maybe some concern there. I think, you know, I have a friend, she's trying to move back to North Carolina. She lives in Dallas now and she's been actively interviewing and um, there's a couple of different banks that are here and one bank jumped on her right away. They were all about like, let's hurry up and fill this role. The other bank has been relatively slow in doing this. So I think that's another thing like to look out for. If you notice, you know, you intern, you check internally for, you know, your job boards and things and you starting to see jobs linger a little longer and they're not filling those positions as quickly as they might have six months ago. You know, it may be time to start you know, tightening up your resume and, you know, getting more active on LinkedIn and, and, and you know, making uh, those connections just in the event that, you know, that those cuts and things come down, you know, to your cubicle. Um, that's a big thing. But as far as like, you know, I know this is mainly we talk about housing. So to kind of, I guess, kind of circle that back in buying a house if you are not sure about you know your job situation you may want to hold off um because the worst thing in the world is to you know go up 30 or 40 percent from your rent payment to a mortgage and then not have you know a job um i know a lot of people are doing a lot of side hustles and things like that but you also don't want to I wouldn't want to put unnecessary stress on on me. I don't know about you, but that's that's not comfortable. A good question to that point. So, typically, job history is important when you're qualifying for a loan. So, let's say you are laid off in this round of layoffs or layoffs that come, mm-hmm. and you want to get back into the market as soon as you get your new job. How is that? Is that gap in work history, quote unquote, even though it's like obviously noticeable or I guess unpreventable? I guess I should say. How does that look when you go back into the market to rent or to own? Or do you have to now rent longer? Or what's that look like? That's a real good question. So the one thing I think that people don't realize is that we live in the same world, the same society. Like the things that are happening to you are happening to us as well. We are fully aware of what is going on in market trends. 
if for some reason you are laid off, um, and let's say you are, uh, you work for, and I, I hate to say Bank of America because it's the first thing that popped in my mind. If you are some sort of data analyst or Bank of America and you kind of sit on the sidelines for three or four months and then you get a job with Google and you're still a regular salary wage earner, as soon as you get your offer letter, give us a call. We're ready, we're ready to go. Um, no problem. You'll just have to write a letter of explanation in the just so we'll have it in the file in case we get audited. But it's not going to be any problem at all. What we look for is does your story make sense? Now, if you are the opposite and you are the same data analyst that worked at Bank of America and then you know you got let go and now you want to, I don't know, start a trucking company. Like, you have to on the sideline a little longer, not because you were laid off, but because the way that you earn income has now changed to something that's a lot more unpredictable. So that's something, you know, because when, when layoffs and things happen, it, it can be a good thing to force you in one direction or another. And sometimes those forced changes can actually lead to a better outcome if you would stay where you were. Because um, that's certainly the case that happened with me in my life and in, in the way that I got into mortgage lending. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. However, you do want to have a plan. If you know that you want to own a home and you find yourself in that position, my advice is get a house first and then, you know, go live out your passions and your dreams at another time. Um, as long as you, you know, have a plan in place to make sure that you are making your payments on time. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. So you're not penalized for losing your job so long that you stay in the same industry. If you obviously change career paths. And it would be a different industry. Okay. Like, that's the thing. The way that you get paid. Oh, so it still needs to be W-2 if it's W-2. Gotcha. Versus a salary person. Okay. Like, that's what we are looking for. Now, the whole idea of it being in the same industry, I guess a good example would be someone that has had I hate, again, I'm sorry to say, if you are a stay-at-home mom and you, you know, let's say you've been a stay-at-home mom for two, three years, or you were a teacher first, you were a stay-at-home mom, and then you re-entered the workforce and you got pregnant again and you were on maternity leave, we have we don't know what to do with you because you're too on and off, you're too hot and cold. As long as you can show some kind of consistency in working, it doesn't matter if you were, like I said, a school teacher and you were a stay-at-home mom for three years and then you decide to become a nurse. Great, you're a nurse now. You you make $95,000. Can you show me? Perfect. Let's, let's keep it pushing. We can't penalize you for that because, I mean, even though you didn't get paid, that's a job. So it's the consistency. If you can't show us anything prior to the job that you have now and you have no type of explanation and you're just living in the basement of your parents' house playing video games, we're going to be concerned. That is not the case of 95% of the people. So you should not have a problem um, when you are re-entering the workforce. Okay, great points. CNBC, again, thank you guys for giving us kind of the information on kind of what's going on in the job market and I'm glad we were able to kind of introduce that and kind of correlate it to what could potentially happen in the housing market. As always, if you have questions, contact us directly um, so we can have more discussion about it.
So we got this segment of the podcast where we do like a trending topic. It's just a real quick blitz. Um, if it's if a discussion gets too good, it'll turn into a further discussion later. But it's called Mortgage Points. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about mortgages, obviously, or potentially about mortgages. Um, and today's topic is... So previously, we talked about branding versus owning. Um, there's been some recent news reports about that Charlotte, the cost to rent has increased, which we know. Um, I think last year, uh, the average cost was about $1,200, uh, which means you need about 52000 to rent a one-bedroom. Um, and obviously, 61000 if you needed a two-bedroom because they were about 1400 Currently now, they're saying that's pretty much went up about $200 or more. So you need about $61,000 now for the one-bedroom and $70,000 for the two-bedroom. What? You just lost me. I'm, that's a lot of numbers. What? <laughs> so they, for most places to rent, you need to make three times the amount of rent. Okay. Right? As a All monthly right. income. So Just me by myself or what if I got a roommate? I mean, if you got a roommate, then this doubles that, right? But just specifically, if you're it's one person on a, a rental application, you would have to make three times that rent. Okay. So currently in, I guess, 2022, which we're in, they're saying that you need to make $61,000 to get a, a one-bedroom apartment, which costs roughly $1,400 a month. Um, this is from WTV, which is also in Charlotte Observer, et cetera, et cetera. So, of course, again, we know everything is increasing, right? Gas is up, yada, yada, yada. So the question is, and I think Charlotte ranks 20, no, excuse me, 16 out of 20 places that they listed as far as uh, places to live or expensive places or based on the salary you need to live. I think that's why I want to say it. Um, so, of course, it's not as expensive as like in New York or San Francisco, but for Charlotte, it's definitely high. Uh, what are your thoughts on, I guess, in general um, about that? About rent being high? <laughs> yeah, about rent being high or about that number. Like, that sounds like a significant amount that you have to make in order to just rent. Well, I think it is a significant amount. Um, I remember when we were in college, my junior year, we moved out campus. You know, thank you, grown. And um, I went to Auntie, for those of you that don't know, had a pride. Um, we rented an apartment in Pepperson. It was a two bed, two bathroom, eleven hundred square foot apartment. We thought we had it going on, and the only reason that we were able to get the apartment was because my roommate's mom, I believe, to co-sign had to make like six times the rent or something like Sheesh. that. Yeah, like because you co-sign and they want to make sure that you can cover your stuff. As well as if, you know, these people don't pay. So it's like, God, she bought okay? So think about it. At that time, for her to co-sign, that means that she only had to make about $6,000 a month. Mm-hmm. Not only loosely, but, you know. But no, $619 a month was our rent. And we thought we were living our best life. Oh, my God. Good old days. Good times, I'm sure. The good old days, I swear. But no, like. I can't imagine coming out of college now and having to get an apartment. I just, I, what, I, I don't know what the starting salaries are for anything, but I find it interesting when people call me about purchasing a home and they make like $4,000 a month. You can't even rent an apartment with $4,000 a month. That means you really, really, really need to get some goals. Um, And I mean, like, I don't mean it like in a shady way, but 
living life flying by the seat of your pants. Life is leaving you. Like, they leaving you behind. You can't even... Even if it's two people, like, oh, I'm going to move in with my girlfriend. Generally, you each individually have to make three times the amount of rent to be able to rent. So, I don't That's challenging. That's hard. I mean, when I was teaching... I think I made like thirty-seven thousand, and I think when I left, I might have been up to like forty-two thousand dollars. My apartment was less than a thousand dollars a month, so I don't. I don't. I'd be interested. How do you think people are making it? How do you think? Because I don't. I really don't know. I see the loan applications come across my desk, and people be Ubering and door dashing and and all of the things, but it don't equal. You know, six thousand dollars a month for a two thousand dollar a month apartment. I think you're headed though. I think gig work is definitely one way people are uh, kind of bridging the gap. People are also having roommates, maybe longer than they potentially want to have a roommate. So you have the roommate situation. Um, you also have maybe potential people potentially uh, working with like um, smaller landlords potentially, and that could allow them to save some money. Uh, I know some people have negotiated, hey, if I do this, you know, these repairs, is it okay if I stay? Things like that. Um, it's kind of really weird, but definitely you kind of be creative as far as what you want to do and where you want to live. But I definitely think probably the top two reasons is they essentially have a roommate and or do some gig work or side hustle. Um, technology, of course, has made that much more easier. Some people just work extra jobs, you know, as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely getting more challenging. Um, to, to rent as well as own, but definitely, like I said, the article been floating around on the internet and social media, so I wanted to make sure we address it. Yeah, I just want realtors to stop um, saying to people, oh, if you have rent that's $2,000, then you can get a mortgage that's $2,000, because that is extremely irresponsible to say that to somebody when... The average income, I don't know, was like $45,000. Let's say the average income is $50,000. Like, that's going to be a challenge to someone that has any type of bills. So, just consider that just because you're renting and, you know, you're getting a price increase on rent, while homeownership may be something to look at, you definitely still want to make sure that you are being careful and calculated in the way that you move toward it to make sure that you know you're not eating ramen noodles because if you feel like the rent increase is going to make you eat ramen noodles you you really are going to potentially find yourself in a in an uncomfortable scenario when it comes to a mortgage because you know there are other responsibilities that come along with that so i just want to make sure i put that out there but uh Good luck to everybody renting and buying. Yeah, you made a good point real quick. Um, so according to census back in 2020, individual earnings was about 35000 like for a median, and then household would be sixty five. meaning there's a, there's a two-person household where they are roommates together, whatever your situation is. Um, so yeah, that's roughly, again, pretty tight um, based on, again, those those numbers, those metrics. Obviously, there's possibly some income people not reporting and things like that as well. So again, the data could be skewed one way or the other. Um, but that's what was based on the last census. But I think it's getting a little more risky, even with people that um, the, the landlords and these property management companies' policies with who they rent to, because I know for sure it used to be everybody, each person had to make three and a half times. And I think now it's even lower to like two, two and a half times. So it, 
to try to make it more affordable, so to speak. But I just, I cannot imagine spending half of my pre-tax dollars having somewhere to sleep at night. It's just, it's unfair. It's, it's, it's really, really a bad um, situation to be in, but people have to have housing. And um, I mean, really, I feel like people are being preyed upon and a little bit exploited because of that. Yeah, half is definitely a lot considering HUD recommends 30%. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It was, like I said, a great topic, something we needed to address. So thanks for weighing in on it. And I'm sure you guys, you know, have some thoughts on it as well. So definitely uh, give us some feedback on this one. All right, well, folks, that's all the time we have for today. Hopefully we've uh, shared some stuff that you can use to uh, spark some discussion with your family and friends. If you love what you heard, please uh, share like the episode. Um, again, we need more people to listen to get the information. Again, our goal is just to help people to become homeowners. Um, again, that's one person at a time. So definitely, if you like what you heard, share this with someone. Thank you. Peace. Fuck is paid off, got a house that I own. Fuck is paid off, got a house that I own.